Seven, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. Good luck, studio. Wow. Oh, it's that time again. Uh, Paul Chandler's going to start this whole thing he does. It's called the Shylock Podcast. It's probably going to start any minute now. Anyway, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, sit back and relax. All I wanted was a pie. And then I hatched out of an egg. Okay, bring the mic over. He's ready to record. It's the quiet ones you've got to watch, you know. Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it deep? Is it deep? But that boy, he's got all that shy is right. Why me, Governor? It's the Shy Life Podcast. Excellent. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, I, uh, well, uh, I, I got to be back. I, uh, it's, it's a bit dark in the room where I'm sitting. I, I, I'm not quite sure what's gone on with, 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 the, with the light, but... Uh, so they're getting a little bit spooky, a little bit scary, but uh, I'm hoping my special guests, I've got two of them, I'm hoping that they'll be arriving soon. But uh, um, anyway, let's run the theme music when we come back. Hopefully we'll, it'll, we'll, we'll shed some light on who the guests are and also uh, some light on me so I can see them. But uh, anyway, run that theme music. Darling, it's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> yes, well, it's a positive thing you won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. Hello, Paul. I'll, I'll go anywhere for a potato. Delicious. Hello, Captain. How are you? You quite like a big fan, don't you, Paul? <laughs> go Shy Yeti. Oh, my, have you ever found out my secret? I think he has. If you thought that was bad, just listen to this. the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm strangely drawn to Yeti Uncle John's ankles as well. But has the Shy Life Podcast laid down? I don't think so. It's all gooey and meaty. Yum, 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 yum. Has anyone seen my hot sausage? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, listen, it's kind of creepy in here. I can hear something. What is what is that? Oh, uh, hello, hello. Oh, boo! Hi, Paul. Oh, it's you, Toppy. You're there. Uh, <laughs> I can't find the light switch. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, Spooky. Uh, uh, who's that? Where, where's our other guest? Hello, other guest. Are you there? Oh, 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 Nick! It's <laughs> Nick coming Nick's, out of the wardrobe. Nick's, Nick's been hiding in the, no, in the putting wardrobe. putting your tapes away. Oh, um, is it? Oh, just a. Oh, there we go. There's the light switch. Oh, that's much better. Oh, my goodness. Now I'm going to turn it off again. Oh, no. <laughs> I can see you both now. It's good. Um, that's really scary. Yeah. Oh, dear. How, how are we? How are we? How are we doing? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I went to see... Um, as I said, I've just... I've come to one of my... It's... Well, we're here at your parents' house, which yes. can be quite creepy at times, as, 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 as you know, out in the country, mm. um, all cut off. And I've just done some housekeeping on your old camcorder tapes. So they're now all safely in order in the in the cupboard there. And I went to see my 
cis family recently and got to meet my brand new great niece Charlotte mm-hmm. who's friends very sweet um, so not too scary then not too scary no I, I haven't had a particularly scary time now I'm just about to go on holiday to Scotland oh well uh, oh well, we might see a lot less monster or a scary well, like drummer with a no head or something um, <laughs> you know, like a ghost well you won't not, see not, me will you actually I thought we'd at least start off by talking about things that scared us uh, as as children, whether it be, um, or even as adults, um, whether it be like in real life, on TV, um, whether it be books we read. Um, I, I, I'm never sure that um, I've ever, sometimes they say that, you know, like reading a scary ghost story around a fire, or I don't know that I've ever read anything that has scared me in the way that if you're watching a TV show or a film and there's something gruesome coming up you might look away or pretend you're not you've been distracted by something and I'm not sure I've ever been that affected by anything I've read but I might be wrong um, uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with scary things I do kind of love them but I also kind of uh, scared I'm so scared about being scared it's pushing yourself in, in front of the the, 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 the headlights of the scariness yeah. to, and actually do you think yeah. that's why you like horror so much is that you know, there's that that need to be scared but also that fear of being scared yeah yeah I think so I mean I've said before about how I when I was at university I used to watch scary movies but I would whiz them through on the videotape first to, to get to the scary bits so, and then I go back to the start and watch like, okay I know I'll, 30 minutes I know uh, after this bit there's a scary bit <laughs> But I've seen it already, and it'll be fine. To watch, and, and, and this bit, and I, you know, I'd, I'd prepare myself. I'd cheat, basically. Because um, you couldn't have done that in the cinema. <laughs> you, yeah. you couldn't say, can you just with it through so I can see where the scary bits are? <laughs> but uh, um, but to, Toppy, Toppy, um, what, what are the earliest things you remember being scared about? And did you always like to scare, or were you like, mean, a nervous person who liked scary things? Or Well, <clears throat> I think I. This may sound strange, but I, I was quite a fearful child. Yeah. Uh, I, I I feel like I was afraid of everything. Yeah. Um, for I was afraid of abandonment. Like if 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 I was home and I I I thought, oh, where's my mother? Yeah. Uh, and if I didn't immediately see her or find her, I immediately thought, oh, I've been abandoned. Yeah. Or if she left me in a car to run into a grocery store, I would immediately think, well, she's never coming back. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was. And uh, I was afraid of things like if it rained hard, and I lived I lived in a, a city at the time, and the gutters would fill with rushing water, I, would, I was certain that it was going to flood and that it would soon be over my head. And so that's the kind of irrational... I don't know why I had, but I had them. But oddly enough, at that same exact age, when I was looking out the window at the water and fearing it was going to flood, I was watching Dark Shadows, which scared me. And I remember palpably feeling uh, in my stomach the fear, but somehow it was entertaining, and I don't know what, but... You know, for the next five years, I watched it as a kid, and that was an 
a half hour long soap. It was mm-hmm. on Monday through Friday. So that's a hell of a lot of episodes, mm-hmm. although not quite as much as Sutton Park. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's an, a little inexplicable to me that I was a fearful child but was entertained by something scary. And Dark Shadows set me up to love uh, horror movies and monster movies and science fiction movies and that genre. And, and I grew up reading Stephen King and reading his books. You know, they were scary. But I loved it. And even as I was older, now, now for whatever reason, I'm not like this today. I used to be terrified of lightning. I was afraid it was going to strike me. So fear, 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 uh, lightning, I don't care, you know, whatever it was, it was going to get me somehow. And there was the, uh, when I moved, uh, my family moved to Pickle Hollow, which is where my parents both grew up. Uh, my grandmother's house was around the corner from my parents' house. And, uh, but there was sort of a back way to get between them, and, but you had to go through this, these woods. Mm. And I would often go, be up visiting my grandmother and then have to go back home through these woods, and it would be pitch black night. Well, okay, now we're talking more like 15, 16, 17, still this ridiculously fearful person and i never walked through those woods i ran like hell (laughs) why because bigfoot's out there no really i really thought i was afraid of bigfoot and also the stars were really out and i would like i was afraid of aliens totally irrational but i really was i never walked through those woods i tore through them (laughs) so Somewhere along the line between now and then, uh, I stopped having those kinds of fears. I couldn't even tell you when or why, but, you know, I don't I don't run through dark woods anymore and I I'm not fearful of lightning. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. Weird. But I still love horror movies. (laughs) There's a road that I mean, Nick walked down it today. Uh, on the way to my parents' house, but it's during the day, so it's not a problem. But um, when I used to come home from school, this I think the, the road is even more overgrown now. I mean, the road isn't overgrown, but the hedges are really high, and you get to a point where they've kind of they've kind of met in the middle over the road. Um, and I think there probably were times when I used to walk back from school that uh, you, I used to get the bus, and then you have this mile or three quarter mile or something walk back down to my parents' house down this. Scary road, unless a car was coming. Of course, um, I guess from about October onwards uh, until sort of March or whatever, it would be dark at, at the time I was coming home. And, and uh, I think I kind of kind of enjoy being in the dark on that case. But um, but but it, it could have been potentially sort of. Uh, 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 sort of scary and uh, um, you, 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 walk, you must have walked down there in the. In the I have, yeah. I mean, I think the, the times I the times I walked down actually in the dark uh, down there. Obviously, it's been in my twenties, but and, and, and onwards. But um, 
I seem to recall coming back from there with the likes of you and Robin and after the pub. (laughs) And we've had a few and and, and it's actually quite relaxing going down there. But I have to say with dark, um, I was afraid of the dark as as a kid. um, And particularly in our house where there was three levels and you had to go down the staircase I've since been redesigned I had the pleasure of actually going in there after 40 years and seeing what it's like now and um, they've got the loose in in sensible places now but back then you had to go down one level to go to the loo and I was afraid of walking through the the living room which was on level two uh, in the dark and in fact I had a nightmare that at the bottom of the stairs there was my sister but it wasn't my sister it was a kind of malignant version of my sister um, mm. and I got the sort of scary vibes and, and also um, in that we had a, a on the bottom level we had a long hallway with a, the door in, in the semi-darkness and I was, I was always kind of used to give me the heebie-jeebies mm. um, I think that long dark corridor they, they do have a certain something because um, I remember in my infant school they must very butch headmistress redid the whole um, school cloakroom and turned it into a library. And um, she left this gap um, to to put all the chairs in so they could be stacked in. And right at the back in the dark, you could see this hook, which was all that was left of the cloakroom. And it was kind of like this rather chilling reminder of what it had been before. I can't really... There's, there's no real sensible way of putting it, but it, it was like this is horns. That it was the ghost of the cloakroom kind of <laughs> leering at me down down through this dark passage, and that was quite chilling. But like I have to say, Toppy, like yourself, I was an extremely nervous child. Um, it would be quicker to say what I wasn't afraid of. I think. Um, but my earliest memory of one of my earliest memories of being frightened is the one thing that I've, I've, I've adored most of my life, and that's being in the company of girls. Um, and uh, it was actually in the very room that Paul and I met about 16 years later um, in the Montessori school. Um, for, I don't know what I was doing there. It was some kind of daycare. And these two, the, the local school that my sister went to, St Edmunds, there was two St Edmunds girls looking after me. And for some reason, I remember being scared of them. I don't know why they were. I don't, I don't remember them particularly terrorising me or anything, but I remember it being a scary memory. Um, there was I'm also staying with school. Though I, I, one of the more quirky things I was afraid of when I was a kid was urinals, um, uh, because I'd never seen one before. When I started school in '73, I'd only been to a kind of like a going to the cubicle type loo or, or the loos at home, and here was this thing with which was this porcelain trough um, <laughs> and okay and nobody actually said oh by the way don't be alarmed but once in a while they will go at you and hiss and and and, and it's such an aggressive sound and um, of course I wasn't prepared for this so you're in the, in the middle of your um your functions and and, the, and this thing would hiss malevolently at you and you you zip it up and run for your life Um, (laughs) and for a while you know I used to nobody ever called them urinals when I was a kid so I I used to call them buzz machines Um, so and I had this character at the time who was just my finger 
hooked like that going uh, you know and there was mousy and my friend jonathan and i had this character called mousy and we and we created the, the buzz machines uh, as, as a sort of opponent for, for mousy so mousy and the buzz machine sounds like it's sort of 60s um, pop group but uh, <laughs> and, and for, sure enough we would chase each other around the i would persuade my friends to chase us around the playground being urinals <laughs> and and <laughs> For, for a while, you know, the rhinos were the, the, the enemy. You know, I, I kind of was, was afraid of their, their buzz because they, they, they had a grudge against mankind. As a postscript to that, I actually, I'm on the PCC committee now, which um, hires out that school, which is now a, the church hall. And um, I was at a function years ago and I went, I did a little wander to the, down the corridors where I, I went in the 70s. And the... I think it was a, still a school at that point, actually, come to think of it. Um, um, I found the, the kids' toilets, and it didn't occur to me at the time, but they are, it was like a dog's house. You know, they were actually visibly shrunken rather than a normal size ones. To, to me, they were normal size because I was only equal. Um, but um, it didn't occur to me that they were actually considerably smaller than the adult versions. So um, it was like sort of having a pee in a doll's house. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. I don't advise. I don't think... They won't be very happy with you if you do that. And d- darkness, I, I, for some reason, because I was a very weird kid, as well as a very nervous one, um, I manifested darkness and fear of darkness of these 100-foot-high hairy creatures called weirdos or weirdies, or I can't remember what they were called, uh, but... Um, my, I remember my sister trying to persuade me to go to bed. I said, you know, I've got these these creatures. It's called weird. You know, they'll get me if the, the lights are out. And and she um, she turned around to these imaginary foes and said, now look, you da 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 waggy fingers. And I said to her, they're a hundred foot high. And so she looks <laughs> at the ceiling and, and waggles her finger at the ceiling. Now look, you da da da. So. Uh, it was weird because I haven't thought of things like that for years. But uh, you know, the actual, the actual fear that that brings out. But yeah, dark. lightning. I I don't think that's a terrible. Not a, that isn't an irrational fear. I mean, I I like a good thunderstorm, but I always think, please don't let there be lightning when I'm walking to work. Um, so you know, I I suppose these days I I do I still have a slight fear of lightning, but it's a it's a very cautious prat- practical one. Because um, in my game, you never know. You know, where, where, where I live, well, in this, well, where I live, the child in this village where we're recording now, there were, there were hills, once one side. They're not like really high hills, but there were hills in front of me as I'm looking out, and hills behind me, which where there's woods and a river, and um, and my my relationship with the two sides of hills was completely different because. I was always excited to um, go across the fields and cross the river on the bri- on the bridge and go up to the woods. And then I, I later often used that as a filming location. And I also found there was a railway line that was a abandoned railway line that, um, I mean, it could have been used as a nice place to walk, but it was almost used like a boundary bet- by farmers between fields. But I, whether or not I was supposed to or not, I, I, I used to, I went through a stage of, getting down onto it and then um, uh, using it for locations for Sutton Park later on and I think eventually it got quite grown over and I couldn't um, use it but 
Uh, and if you kept walking, you got to a place called Pepperbox Hill, uh, which is a location that Nick and I used for a number of things, including the Sutton Park film in '93. But so that side of the village, or that those hills, is all quite welcome and quite exciting to explore. But the the hills I'm looking at from here, there's a there's a mound of tr- well, it's just very spooky. That's that side. There's a there's a mound of trees called Clearbury, and I think. Is that, that Clearbury? I didn't know. Uh, that. Over there is Clearbury. And, oh. um, but and that has a certain. I, I think that has some sort of ancient thing because it's got a sort of ring around. You can walk around the trees and then you can walk into. And so I think it probably was some sort of fort or something at one point. Um, but I also used to to cycle uh, up up because because it's just field after field and track after track, and, and it's probably more farming. Uh, uh, you, I think you're allowed to to sort of walk there, but it's quite. There's nothing up there other than fields and fields and fields, and maybe the occasional um, like mound of trees that you can go and walk around. But I always got a really spooky feeling up there. It, going back to when I was a, a child, and my my grand and my great aunt took me for a walk up there, and I remember feeling I don't like it. I think I want to go back. Um, and, and I still felt a bit like that when I used to go sometimes and cycle up that way or explore. Um, you, you just felt really cut off. You felt like, um, you know, no, you you were kind of partly felt like maybe you were being watched. You kind of felt that you were completely on your own. And I also told a story um, not so long ago about there's, there is a place called the Miz Maze, which is a bit further along, but it's also up that side. Up those hills, and it, it's a, a maze that's been sort of um, of chalk and, and grass that's been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And there are stories I, I've looked on. I always felt a little bit creeped out when I went there. And when you go into the because the maze is inside a ring of trees, so once you go through, enter that area, you're already out in the middle of nowhere up on, the, on a hill, but then you're suddenly in a circle of trees with this strange maze. And it's not like a maze that's it's 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 not like a a deep maze. It's like you you follow it round, but and it's it's not like even above your knee level or anything. But um, I, I remember definitely feeling sort of creeped out a bit, and I think I did do some Sutton Park up there sometimes with friends, sometimes without. And I definitely remember again getting that strange sort of feeling of being really cut off. And I've since found there are ghost stories about the maze. People have people on forums have written about having strange experiences up there um which you know whether whether it's true or not it it certainly yeah there's something certainly about that place that makes people think they've seen things whether they have or not is another matter but it's very very sort of is there any and is there anywhere near where you live toppy which you'd say was a oh a place that gives you creeps whether it be a house or a, a wood or a Place by the lake, or, or um, good question. I mean, certainly that. I mean, absolutely the patch of woods between my grandmother's house and my parents' house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's see now. Uh, the only other place I could think of that gave me the willies was my grandparents' basement, mm. which was. You know, an unfinished basement where my grandfather kept his tools and his tool bench and yada yada. 
And for some reason, that always, um, you know, it was always lit by a single light bulb. Um, and you didn't, uh, it was just a creepy place. Um, outside, um, I can't think of anything uh, that that gave me uh, the creeps. No. I just uh, I, I was thinking when I went to Portland uh, and stayed there, uh, I was driven out into the sort of countryside outside of Portland, and a lot of the we went and visited somebody, a friend of the family who owned a log cabin somewhere somewhere in the middle of the woods, um, away from the main road. It wasn't that deep into them, but and it was quite interesting to visit it in the daylight. Um, but I don't know. I'd have been so happy if I was living, you know, because these people they lived as, they lived in there as a holiday home. But it wasn't like that. There was a, as far as I was aware, there was no like lake two minutes. You know, there was there was no sort of. It was just a place to sleep in the middle of these woods. It wasn't, and perhaps there were other cabins dotted around. But it wasn't like you could just walk walk out. On, on the veranda and see a nice lake or a nice view you could just see trees after trees after trees and, and I, I can imagine that uh, yeah staying there you know if it was a bit of a storm you really would feel like you're in a Friday the 13th movie or something it's funny you, you were saying Toppy about um, your grandfather's cellar I too um, that that was one of my fears as well um, I my um, my granddad died in 1974 when I was five going on six and uh during the sort of we used to go there every easter um and it was a lovely old i presume victorian house um uh, with several levels and, and stained glass and always smelled of polish and and there was this um cellar and it was whenever i used to look inside it was pitch dark i think it was um a bit of a rickety staircase and i would always be too scared to go down um and when he died um we 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 had one last easter at at their house whilst we were sorting things out because he i think he died about the month before easter and um i realized then at the age of five that this was going to be the last time i'd see the house and i thought it's it's now or never so i actually with the aid of mum, i actually went down into the cellar and like you say it was we you know we had tool there were tools very much of all all very um carpentry orientated and he had these little um kind of past passages little tiny passages with these um seed trays um plastic seed trays and uh they were all marked in roman numerals i don't know i will we'll never know why but i you know he, he did everything in roman numerals but yeah that was that was a a cellar fear I, I had to face up to. It, it, it's, fun, it's funny when, um, sometimes when I've been out and about, not, ne- not necessarily back in the day when I was um, doing, um, well, sometimes I suppose when I was doing something about, you'd just be walking through woods and maybe you'd see, there were, I, I never encountered anything that was like the people putting the things up, but, but perhaps you're walking through a glade and there'd be strange little things attached to the little not quite Blair Witch level, um, but, may, but maybe little sort of shiny things or baubly things, or and it obviously meant something, or may, may have been a message um, to people who are travelling, or uh, sometimes you hear about 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 that. Um, 
it's kind of intriguing, but also kind of when you see things out of place attached to trees, you think is there a bit of black mass here, or some, or the opposite of a black mass? Yeah. Or, or um, I, I was only a year ago. I was walking, did a walk from one of the stations near me to to, to my house, and just past this tree, and it had been draped in all sorts of colourful baubles and uh, um, and beads and, and little bits of writing on wood, and, and I, I just don't know why it wasn't in a place. Where so it was somewhere too tight for a Christmas tree. Well, but it wasn't anywhere that anyone would be. It wasn't like it was in the cent- a cent- central area. It was just a tree on a pathway, and I could only think it meant something to somebody and was a message or was a, a tribute to somebody or the. Um, but it, it, because it's unexplained and you don't know the background to it, it automatically makes you feel a little bit. Ooh, that's sort of. Um, I mean, sometimes when I used to do Sutton Park, if I'd come across something like that. I would immediately sort of go, oh, this is where, um, this must be where some baddie of Sutton Park was doing some sort of hideous black mass or something. But um, it's a good thing nobody, suddenly, like, people didn't suddenly come out of the woods and go, ah, you're going to be our sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. um, but you can sort of almost scare yourself because you don't, because the unknown is, you just can't understand why something which could be perfectly innocent if it, if it was explained to you, um, yeah. uh, I, I think I have been in woods where, for some reason, people have decorated a random Christmas tree in the middle of a forest, and you think, well, it's fine, not, but but it's a strange thing to do, I guess, or is it? Uh, uh, maybe it wasn't on the day. Maybe there was lots of locals singing carols, and it was lovely, or it was for a photo shoot, or it was. But but now, out of context. It, it has a certain strange, sinister edge to it, but um, I mean, it doesn't help being a imaginative person anyway. You tend to think of, or my mind goes to, oh, there must be something really aliens must appear. Or, um, yeah. but uh, I know that uh, for myself, you know, watching monster movies and what have you, I always understood that they weren't real and that I was watching someone in makeup or, or whatever. I always understood that. Okay, the things that got me were uh, reports or stories that were purported to be true. And there was this infamous book published in America called something like Amazing True Stories or something like that. It was a little paperback book, and it gave a lot of people nightmares, and I was one of them. And it was a bunch of stories uh, across uh, the last 200 years or whatever that were purported to be true. So here's the story that got me, that just got me. Some farmer somewhere in the U.S. was walking across his field going home, and his wife happened to be on the porch of their house and saw him approaching. And then suddenly he wasn't there. So she ran out, took her kid, one of her two children came out, where's daddy? Mm. And they looked around and around and around and couldn't find him, except every once in a while they'd hear his voice. Okay? So they said, well, there's a hole. There must be a hole. He fell into a hole. No holes. They looked and looked and looked. The, uh, The villagers looked and looked and looked. Never saw him again. And supposedly, this was a true story. 
Okay. All right. I was convinced that I was going to suddenly disappear one day, especially running through that damn forest. <laughs> uh, I swear, I just things that were reported to be true, like Bigfoot, like, uh, you know, and there was that famous footage of Bigfoot that everyone's seen a million times, you know, and, and you know, it apparently was true. That was and it, that, that, those are the things that get me. That was, it, that was your Uncle John's, John's friend, David. <laughs> no, I was, was going to say, if I met Bigfoot, I'd, I'd get a $6 million man DVD signed. <laughs> uh, um, uh, there's a, a book... By Whitney Stryber, who previously wrote scary books like Wolfen and some others, and then he wrote a book that he said was true, and it was called Communion. And the story was about how, over the years, he's been visited by aliens. Well, you know, this is a guy who spent his life writing books about strange things and then writes one that he says is true. So it's all very dubious. But the fact that it was true, that damn book haunted me with the with its descriptions of the visits and things. And, you know, for, for a couple of years, I was looking out for little alien heads peeking out <laughs> over the bed or something. <laughs> and I was pretty old. I, I was like 25 when I read that stupid book. I, I had a book about like alien, supposed alien sightings in the UK, and there was one that was in in our county in Wiltshire, and, and the village name was the same as, almost the same as ours, except our, our, our village is, is called Charlton All Saints, and it was just called Charlton, and I wasn't sure whether, which we never called this, but it would always be the full, so I thought well it's probably as much as I would like it to be it probably isn't it's probably another Charlton in this in this county and um, it was about sort of I think it was about like maybe uh, crop circles I'm not sure if it was crop circles because we had a lot of that over here where th there were crop circles appearing in fields and what was it people faking it was it real was it yeah um, but th this book was older than that that's that sort of fad for that was was more like 90s or or whatever where this book was older than that and and, and because of the scary hills i could well imagining uh, i could well imagine a ufo you know it's really creepy up there that would be perfect for some alien but uh, I, was, I was quite sort of fascinated wanting to know more of course it was it was in the time when you didn't have wikipedia and things it, it what was in the book was about all i was going to find sort of thing um, <laughs> but uh, but um not 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 a story of my own, but Toby's told me about how he grew up in a house where it was maybe a three three story house, and they had it had one of those sorts of lights where you you press the light at the bottom of the stairs, and then it slowly retracts, and and because it, it turns itself off, but you've got a few minutes to get up to the, and maybe there were two of these, but the one in the middle stopped working. So you get halfway up, and their bedroom, he and his sister's bedroom, was at the top of the house. You get halfway up, and then it would plunge into darkness, and you'd have to do the last bit of the stairs in the dark. And um, they always felt that somebody was watching them. And I think later they found, or maybe even when they were still there, they found there was a story of somebody like dying in that, that house, or dying, in, in, sort of not not very not very pleasantly. Um, 
and, and um, yeah, he's not Toby's not the sort of person necessarily to. He's interested in ghost stories, but I wouldn't say he necessarily a bit like me. I mean, I was when, when in the late seventies. We moved across town to an older house when we we moved to Harnham, and um, I I suppose I was I was in. I was interested in this new house, but I was a little bit nervous of it because, you know, I was, uh, it was an unknown quantity. And um, as a, the, the usual thing, getting up in the middle of the night was always a bit of a... Um, and the, the, the light, you know, the, um, the bathroom, I remember seeing this shape in the bathroom, which I was convinced was a ghost. And I rushed back in, uh, in, into my room and put the... Duvet and my cover and everything, and of course, I, I, in my imagination, I suppose I built this up quite bomb. I saw a ghost in the in the uh, um, bathroom, and um, I told my friend Andrew Cook, who was interested in the paranormal and and, and ghosts and supernatural, and, and um, well, I remember we a year later, exactly to the day, we st- he stayed over, and we because he read too many Enid Blyton famous five you know kind of seen too many episodes of scooby-doo um he was kind of very kind of wanting to uh you know see it himself and um i think we just we just gave you know gave each other a spooky night you know where we had nightmares and things like that because we built this thing up and i built this thing up but i remember him and i having a conversation about you know sort of weird things that we we'd experienced or perceived we'd experienced and um, I remember saying to him at one point, you know, um, in the middle of the night, I hear this. And he said, that's just the central heating going on. Yeah, when I worked at the, the college, um, that was the sort of building, you know, you can imagine there being ghosts of housemaids who've fallen downstairs or, or, uh, or, or, or whatever. But... You know, I'll, I'll even go into the library podcasting studios and turn the lights off and kind of, kind of thing. I'll just sit here and, and you know, um, and I always kind of thought, you know, if if a ghost comes in, then I won't be scared. I'll just be like, hi, how are you doing? Or if they try and be scary, I'll just go, hey, you know, behave yourself. But um, there, nothing happened ever. Of course, I think if you if, if just because the building looks like it would have a ghost, um, you know. Uh, if you want it too much, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but I do remember the, we have a we had a graphics officer who did all like graphics for presentations and things, and uh, there was a, a photo of some either students or staff on the stairs, and um, that he he could see because sometimes you, you hear about um, uh, like in pictures where people think they've seen ghosts or or they think they photographed ghosts. There's like balls of of energy or balls of uh, and, and he and he was like, I've got a picture of a ghost, and I got, I've heard, and, and when I looked at it, for, for for somebody who obviously I'd done Sutton Park, and I knew about how you can get bits of crisp stuck behind <laughs> the the, the lemon or whatever, yeah. uh, or thing. I was always getting, you know, because um, I probably used my video camera bag to store snacks sometimes, and you know, sometimes <laughs> for years there was a bit of crisp. crisp. So, yeah, stuff. Right through prison in the sun. Yes. It, 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 and this faithful crisp follows us wherever it, we go. It, it, it stayed there for you. It looked like a, if you zoomed in, it looked like a UFO going across the screen. <laughs> um, uh, and um, I looked at this picture that this guy said that he found, and to me, it just looked like how when you, when the light catches something, it, 
didn't look anything like the. Uh, I thought somebody who who is in, involved in graphics, you think he would know a bit of a bit of fluff on the lens or something. It it, uh, it, it was a bit ridiculous, but uh, yeah, the um, the number of you know supposed spirit photos that are basically illuminated dust yeah. <laughs> a piece of thing that's floating it's so obvious yeah. and yet so many people are just absolutely positive it's a spirit ball or what I don't know what they call them a ghost light or, and it's like you look at them it's like no it's it's so not it's like it seems obviously I <clears throat> I used to be a complete skeptic um, and I was convinced, no, no Bigfoot, no aliens, no spooks, no ghosts. No, absolutely not. And I was convinced that everything that people had seen could be explained. Um, and the biggest explanation of all was the human mind that loves to make connections and basically build its own stories. And it's not anything people are doing deliberately. It's just that. Uh, your brain plays tricks on you and it can seem incredibly real. For example, I recently got up and uh, there was a full moon and outside, this is total darkness except for moonlight and there was this, what I thought was a dog way out on the lawn some distance away from the window and I just stood there and looked at it because so just a dog but what's he doing and and the dog was like moving its head and and turning around and putting a snout in the air and the more I watched it <clears throat> uh, the more I realized oh this is this is my eyes doing that thing that eyes do and it's a well-known phenomenon you have involuntary muscle movement of your eyes that happens particularly some, when there's just a little bit of light, or sometimes it happens when there's a lot of light. And uh, I said, you know, I, I know what's going on here. I know exactly what's going on. But I stayed and watched it for another minute because it looked so real. Even though I consciously knew what was happening, I said, God damn, that looks like a dog that's moving. Of course, in the morning, I looked out again, and it was a tree stump. Uh, but that's an example of how you so convincing. By the way, what I just told you is why there's so many stories from Catholics and other religious people who swear they're looking up on a hill at a statue of the Virgin Mary and it's moving. And the whole soon there's lots of people that see it. Well, it's a white statue up on a hill some distance away with a spotlight shining on it. And if you look at it long enough, it's going to move because that's what happens to your eye. It's when you look at a star up in the sky and you stare at it and you swear it's moving. It's not moving. It's your eyes. So I'll just finish by saying for years I've been like the most skeptic skeptic ever, ever, ever. More recently, I've decided, you know what, Toppy, you don't know shit. <laughs> and get over yourself. And now I'm more inclined to keep my skepticism, but also allow 
yeah, there are weird, weird things out there, and I don't know all the answers, whereas I used to think, oh yeah, I know the answer. I don't know all the answers, so so I'm not the skeptic I was, but I carry the skepticism in my back pocket, and I'm, I'll look pretty hard at things before I can be convinced that, okay, you're right, this is unexplainable. I, I um, Something like that happened to me with, with, with Callum in Dunbar in Scotland. During like the time that we've been doing the podcast, uh, our bedroom looked out over like the, sh- the shoreline and I, I called out to Callum oh I think there's some seals um, because there are seals in Dunbar and you've seen them in the harbour and, you, uh, and, and we sort of, I think we both looked and thought they were there and I tried to zoom in and I still couldn't get sort of and then a little bit while later I looked back and I was like oh no they weren't seals they were because they looked like they were moving it was the the, the tide lapping on some rocks that were slowly being uncovered by, by the water and and looking back half an hour later you could see that they were just there was even more of them and they were just rocks um perhaps if it had gone the other way and the tide was coming in and had gone over them i'd look back and they'd have been gone but yeah it was rocks in this case but uh, i i do have a funny relationship with i i, I do like so I like to play with the the toys of of of, of sort of scary toys but I, I don't necessarily play with them in, in like a scary way a lot of my things I've written have been playing around with the conventions of werewolves or even going back to, going back to Sutton Park going back to some of my series I've written uh, in fact one series I wrote had like a what was it a, a werewolf a mummy a, a various different characters some of them were characters from Sutton Park all living in a house I wrote a couple of seasons of that, and then the BBC did a show called Being Human, which was very similar, at least in that that there were ghosts and uh, a vampire, or whatever, all living in the same house, and uh, and they did it. There was there was sort of funny lines, but it was a lot more serious than what I've written. But I was never intending to send my show to try and get it commissioned anyway. But I was still a bit sort of. I suppose I thought, well, I guess that confirms that it, it was something that, you know, had, had uh, the, the, the could have worked because it worked. It worked. The, the the version, the being human version, worked for three or four years. Um, but I also don't. I don't. What I don't like when I do. I think the reason I. I think it's just easier to be silly with these things than it is to be. To I. I, I don't know that there. I think. If you're trying to think of new things to do with vampires or werewolves, I, I hate all the the stuff that's set up for them. Like, I, I always made sure that I was like, well, no, no, vampires, they can go outside now. They wear glasses or they've evolved to this level. Or werewolves are, don't always have to wait. It's not just four moons. Or I, I, I used to like making my own rules up because <laughs> by that point I was just fed up of, you know, this is the trouble about watching... You know, when when Dark Shadows was new, nobody knew that there was a vampire in the show. Um, anybody who's watched it since, uh, you know, arts in repeats or since, knows that Dark Shadows is partly about a, a vampire. It's it, it must have been completely shocking to be watching it originally, and then to realise this guy is a is a vampire. Without you know, and, and back in those days, you wouldn't have had TV newspapers that gave away the the twists of things before. Um, 
Yeah, you know, there wouldn't be so much previewing things. It would have been a real <laughs> surprise. And um, but on the other hand, if I see a film that's got a vampire in it, I, I'm kind of like, how much time is going to be wasted with all of the? Oh, is he a vampire? Oh, the like, yeah. There's so much. I want to get onto. The, I want to get to the new port. I mean, that's the good thing about Dark Shadows, is that it gets past. It starts off with the, all the tip. If you're rewatching it now, it gets past all the typical. Um, vampire cliches to to some new areas. I don't think I'd ever seen. Um, I I don't think when I first saw Dark Shadows because this this was before Angel. I don't think I'd ever seen a vampire thing where somebody somebody's trying to cure a vampire, um, like like which may have happened in vampire fiction, and I just wasn't aware of it. But to me, that was quite that that was a, that we were moving on to a bit of the story that was. That was new, or having a vampire that wanted to be human again, or yeah. Um, uh, I don't know for absolute sure, but I do think the character of Barnabas Collins on Dark Shadows made the fiction's first reluctant vampire. Mm, I, I yeah. think that's quite mm. possible. I, 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 I was always like, yeah, getting to the bits, getting to the bits past all that, because you can, you know, uh, I mean. The the dark the first Dark Shadows movie, um, although it's nice to see everybody in great quality, you know, nice filmic quality, and um, it's basically like any other Hammer film you've seen to that point where it's a vampire. You, you know everything that's it's not, there's no real surprises. Um, it, it's, it's taking it's sort of going back to basics really. And, yeah, um, I agree. It, it really does have a Hammer feel. Yeah, um, um, but it was. Totally not a Hammer movie, no. but it sure looks like one. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I, the, the the cliches of I think some of the scariest things are the things that scare me more, or like things I almost avoid are when, when it's almost too real. Like there was a show. Um, I think I'm going to forget the name, but. Nick might remember what was the name of the film, the series about the rabies. Oh, um, Mad Death. Mad, 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 Mad Death. Death. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I was young. And I saw it was just basically about, uh, like, some do- dogs or animals with rabies biting people, and how how it would ha- how. My, I, I mean, I've never watched. I've never watched it, so I'm making it up a bit. But I'm guessing it's about what would happen if rabies got I into. I think Britain. it's out there. I think it's. I think it's. Yeah, I just don't want to watch it though. I don't. I, I, it's because it, it's real. Because it's a real thing. I'm, I, I have more problems with real things or things that are potentially. Would you say the same about threads? Yeah, I don't want to watch threads. That's about nuclear war. Yeah. Um, I don't. No, want, okay. I don't want to watch that. I watched the cartoon. You know, um, Raymond Briggs, who did the Snowman. And um, fungus the bogeyman and various other animations uh, did what when the wind blows, and uh, uh, that's a cartoon about a holocaust uh, and, and about these two old people living in a house, and, and, and I don't want to see that ever again either because it, it was somehow I think it was somehow it was somehow more disturbing because it was I don't know if it's because it was a even though they were cartoon. The, the old woman was really confused, and and, and it was just horrible. Just horrible. The worst How thing was, um, I think, with with that one was um, Raymond Briggs reused a character that he'd done before, with Gentleman Jim, mm. who I think was a was a, a toilet cleaner or something like that. He was he was a kind of an old, uh, an old fashioned gent who did 
I've got a feeling he'd clean the gents or something like that. And so uh, he was a reoccurring character. So you'd actually got, got to know this character in the previous book. Uh, and um, uh, Raymond Briggs was getting him off in this <laughs> nuclear holocaust. I mean, I think... I think um, <laughs> it's a bit dark. <laughs> I think what, well, also when I was young, I was scared of the TV adaption of Day of the Triffids. And I think... Um, may, I, think I think it was almost... The Triffids were quite scary in that version. But the first episode, the, it's from the point of view of the guy who's gone blind and he's in the hospital and and slowly he's realising things are, and you get flashbacks yeah. to his association with the Triffids and it's just very, very yeah. um, atmospheric because the hospital's empty and, yeah. uh, and, and I don't think, I never got past episode one when I was a kid because I was too scared. My mum said, do not watch any more of that. Um, we, we um, I mean, we re-watched it a few months ago and it's a, it's a cracking piece of atmospheric telly, mm. even now, yeah. 40, over 40 years on. It, it, and particularly, as Paul said, that first episode, because you've got the blind chap and uh, there is nobody else about. And um, he realises, it's a slow realisation that there's nobody going to be around to take his bandages off. I mean, I was scared of, um, I remember being scared of the Incredible Hulk. I remember seeing, look, kind of looking through, through, through um, well, Nick will know. On the, on the way up to what he may, he may not know one thing about this. As you go up the stairs in my parents' house, these wooden stairs, yeah. you go past a window that looks into a room, um, like, a, a, room, right, like yes. our da- a day room yes. or whatever. Um, but I don't know if Nick's ever thought, why is there a window on the staircase looking I into have, a room? I have, it over the over the last 33 well, years. <laughs> yeah, but, but because the day room was built later, yeah. and that was originally a window that looked out onto the garden before oh. that room was... They really built that room partly when my brother came along because gave us an extra room to spread out into. Yeah. And, and it just took a bit... They just encroached on a bit of the... Sort of claimed a bit of the garden. Um, but the, the window's still there. But I, I guess... I... I wonder if my memory's cheating because I would have thought that the, the, this watching Incredible Hulk would have been before that happened. But anyway, maybe I was looking around the door, maybe I'm remembering things wrong. But I remember sort of pe- peeping through the doorway. And I think the Incredible Hulk or Bruce Banner had been locked in a chest and then he ch- and then he got crossed and came out as the... Uh, but I, I, I don't think I really understood about the Incredible Hulk wasn't necessarily the, the, a threat to me. I think he was just... He he was actually a sympathetic character, but um, I think I just found it quite scary. Um, uh, but I was scared of the title sequence of the '60s Batman. I mean, once you get once you get past that, it's not a scary program at all. But the title that title sequence was yeah. very scary. I think title sequence, if well done, can be. I mean, there's Survivors, the '70s version of the Survivors TV series. Uh, the muse, the ominous music, and the the Oriental scientist reaching out for. A, Particularly as my, um, it it's because the it was like a an experimental thing, and the and the the, the experiment goes wrong and wipes out ninety five percent of the world's population, and um, that title set it up so vividly that it, I was quite disturbed. And uh, as as Paul said about the, I couldn't get past the title sequence. And my only other memories of the survivors is lots of fields, people in lots of fields. It wasn't a particularly scary episode, but you had to get past the titles. And um, also, my mum wore horn rim. This, this scientist person was wearing horn rim specs, and my mum would use horn rim specs. And shot behind this 
polythene, it looked like someone was suffocating my mum. <laughs> uh, so it, it was a, yeah, it was scary. Very uh, scary title sequence. I, I was thinking about uh, when we were kids, like when, for, for me, when Tom Baker was um, Doctor Who, the, the, ti- the title sequence with the TARDIS going down the sort of time tunnel type thing, that, that, that was pretty scary. And I imagine if I'd have been around, like, when William Hartnell or Patrick Troughton, that, that, that was quite scary. I, uh, I think after... I, I think I was watching Tom Baker for only about a year when that title sequence was still being used. The title sequence that followed it was more of a star system. I, I wouldn't say that was scary. But for a long period in the 70s, there was... Um, that title sequence was used. It's, it's certainly... With the music as well, um, yeah, I, I I don't think I don't since Doctor Who's come back, I don't think there's been a single title sequence that I've been particularly happy with. I I think it's been one, it's been very been very creative, very sort of using all sorts of. But I, I don't think a there's they're particularly atmospheric. Too much use of red in a lot of the title sequences. I, I do quite like I do quite like the first one. I think. Um, mm. The trouble is, I think they they spent too long fiddling with it, um, and uh, they, they when when it came back with Eccleston, uh, for my money, they they got music right. They got the, it would have been nice to see a face or so, but um, they I I think that wasn't too bad. But uh, I think then they fiddled around with music and they fiddled on the titles and and it all. I think I it was an over egged pudding. No, nothing's ever better. The seventies uh, time tunnel one. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. that that's that's for, that's the the business for me. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not really not really uh, quite scary, but one of the few title sequences, or including the music that I've seen recently, that that I've I've been very impressed with. I can't remember if you watched this as well, Toppy. The only murders in the building. Have you seen that? I haven't yet seen it yet. No, but the t- I think you'll like the title sequence. When you do. It's be- it's very beautiful, and I think the the, mu- the music is very, is very good as well. It's uh, it's like an animated title sequence, but it's very well done. And then and the yeah, the music is just um, one of the best theme tunes for any TV series. I don't know why I like it so much, but but um, I, I I do. That that sort of falls into I guess com- comedy drama, but. But it's with scary bits. It reminds me a bit of Manhattan Murder Mystery, uh, where you've got um, one of my favourite Woody Allen films, where you've got sort of older characters muddling through trying to solve a murder, and and, and you've got sort of not not scary, but you've got t- tension where they're trying to find out something, or they've broken into a flat to try and get something, and they you know that the person might be turning up. And um, I, I do I do quite like. That sort of scary, well, the, the sort of fun scary, um, where where you, where you sort of you think you're watching a comedy, but suddenly you're oh quick 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 get out of the room get out of the room oh they're gonna get caught they're gonna get caught um, uh, that that sort of thing um, that does appeal to me sort of a, a different end of the scary um, spectrum. But uh, um, to, to go back to the the real versus fiction um, the, the real seemingly real or purportedly real things being scarier than fiction uh, there was a strange three maybe four year period I'd say roughly 1977 to 1980 when a lot of things happened that were pretty damn scary 
and a lot of them were things that I never realized could happen like it never crossed my mind and there was a whole series of them and uh the first one was the Son of Sam murders in New York City, mm. where I just didn't know people went around randomly killing people. I just didn't know it happened. Mm. Mm. And that was, I would read the newspaper accounts, and that scared the hell out of me. Later on, there was the Jim Jones cult in Guyana. Uh, never knew what a cult was, and they all committed suicide. Never knew this was a thing or could ever happen, but there it was in the newspaper. Scared the hell out of me. The next thing, the next thing that happened was Mount St. Helens blew. Well, I never, I never knew a mountain could blow up like that. Scared the hell out of me. And then finally, Three Mile Island had a near meltdown, and. That's in Pennsylvania, and it was close by. And again, it's like, holy Jesus, it just, this is a freaking scary world out here. And I never knew any of things, these things could ever happen. And finally, the last one that happened that I just, you know, just continued this thing about me being a, a fearful person, living their life in fear uh, of what's going to happen, was AIDS. Mm. Right when I was coming out to myself mm. and barely beginning a uh, my sexual history boom there's this thing that's killing everyone and that scared the hell out of me for the next eight ten years yeah. so it's really weird to me those are the things that happened that were truly scary like just and it, it just feels like there was always something. And especially that first, those first four incidents came so close together. And they were so like, I just didn't know. I just didn't know these things happened. Even even with me, I think AIDS might have put me off of meeting people. After, after, initial, after an, an initial situation at the start of the university, I just buried myself in Southern Park, but I'm sure some of the sort of, well, I was just, you know, even and we're talking about the early 90s still being sort of, you know, sort of. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm going to go there. I'm just going to make silly videos for the next eight years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that youngsters, youngsters today would even think today, about. I don't know there, though. <laughs> um, I, I did once go on. I had a friend um, who Nick knows called Andrew. We, I know so many Andrews, but Andrew Reed, who's been on the show once. He's, if anyone remembers, he's the 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 guy who lived in Berlin with his daughter, and we talked to him about two years ago. I'd like to get him back on the show, but he's always so busy. Um, but we, he was in Sutton Park. He was a bit. He was a. I say he was a bit of a reluctant actor. He was very good, very dry. Uh, and we had a great episode talking about Clearbury. We had a great episode where we went up to Clearbury and uh, it started to rain and we got absolutely... It was in the summer, we got absolutely soaked. And and uh, the ad-libbing we did when we were soaking was... was when I watched it again recently, it, it, uh, um, it really made, made me chuckle. But I think in the, in the sort of... 
early noughties because um, he, he went a few times where he was living overseas and then he'd be back for a bit and and um, he wanted to go sort of ghost hunting in certain places in Wales where his family lived that were known for sort of uh, um, spooky sightings or whatever. Um, the only trouble was, I, you know, I don't think he was working at the time, whereas I was. So the time I got down, you know, the weekend was a sort of... I like to do things at weekends, but I'm not so sure I wanted to be sitting in a field at three o'clock in the morning on the off chance that uh, a, a ghost might pop by. But uh, um, And I, I think I even put my foot down and said... I'm no, I'm not, I'm not getting up. I, we we stayed in a hotel and we went and during the day we went to a few um, sort of spooky castles and I, I feel yeah I feel that this was like the early noughties because I still had my video camera but I wasn't I was beginning to lose interest in but I did video things um, but when it came to no I'm I'm not getting up at three three o'clock in the morning to go and sit in a field on the off chance <laughs> so this was January or February as well it wasn't. <laughs> wasn't the sub it wouldn't have been nice um, um so i felt a bit bad that i kind of chickened out of i hadn't really chickened out i just kind of like uh you know i no, it's, i need i want some sleep because i've got to go back to work on monday and uh so that, like the uh the the sort of um the reality of, of of ghost hunting sounds all very very good fun but uh um yeah. <laughs> you can ghost hunt at noon. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I always like the idea. There's a. I, I don't. I don't even know that people in the in the states will know about this character. But there was a very famous, uh, a very famous character in the fifties known as uh, well called Quatermass. Uh, it was a, it was a TV series, and and you may be aware of it because Hammer did do they did their versions of Quatermass films. Well, actually, Martin did a, a oh, feature, yeah. Yeah. and that's yeah. where I know it from. Otherwise, I never would have no. heard yeah, about it. Um, and Hammer, well, Hammer did all. Of, there were only three of the only three TV series, uh, but the the third one, Quatermass in the Pit, was made in the sixties and is um, the only color one. But but um, the the writer of Quatermass did a a one off play called The Stone Tape in the 70s and that looked at the theory of how like how if i guess if a character if a person sort of walks around a building the the, the building almost records that like it, it becomes like a the stone becomes like a tape that records the, and that's what a ghost is it's it's, going, a very, it's an excellent it's easily my favorite nigel neil thing on the same mm, tape I, I love it uh, i i just like that idea that uh, though so i always kind of theorise that uh, maybe there'll be a ghost of me at that college I worked in for so many years because I've walked those stairs so many times and um, okay. uh, it, it, it uh, you know it, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a theory that um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I believe it but I, I, it intrigues me and interests me and I can see how, how uh, um, yeah, there's quite a lot of mileage in, in sort of exploring that um, but, uh, what do you guys think of the, the crop of modern ghost hunting shows, if you watch them at all? Uh, and I confess I, I've seen very few of them, um, but what I have seen is is they're just completely 
unconvincing no, I, I, and a little ridiculous. I find I don't. I watch very, very, very little modern TV anyway, and uh, I don't think I would be all that interested in. It. You know, I, I like I like the idea of I like ghost stories very much, um, but. I, I, my only connection other than that would be um, my brother-in-law, one of the 50% of brothers-in-law I'm um, sort of persona non grata with, um, has actually but has shares in a ghost hunting sort of, you know, like ghost Tory mm. kind of business. Um, I remember we went up to Bodmin. I, I dragged them up to Bodmin because I, I have an ex-girlfriend there and there. And they, whilst they were there, they explored the, the jail, which has um, new, uh, several ghost stories in it. And uh, they, they've, they've bought a place where they, they've got a caravan or something in Bodmin, and they, they actually, apparently, they do run um, ghost tours. A, a friend of mine, um, I, I, I didn't realise, oh, I'd forgotten that he was so interested in that sort of thing. He took part um, on, in something like you were describing except that it was on YouTube the other weekend and he was one of I think three or four different people who the presenters kind of allowed to try and bring the ghost forward or talk to the ghost um, I, I, I must admit I didn't watch it like minute for minute but I think my, my friend had a particular method um, uh, based on some 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 sort of uh, uh, area of expertise that he follows, and but a lot of it was watching it was you know sitting in somebody sitting in a corridor calling out or trying to talk. I I, I don't know, I don't know that I haven't spoken to him yet to ask whether he did feel that he'd achieved something or whether it was um, just an interesting experience to go because it. it, it it was, um, you know, very much like the sort of things you see on TV, except I, I guess it wasn't um, a paid-for show, and it probably went on for a lot more longer than a lot of those shows would be, that it was on YouTube. I think it went... I think they were broadcasting all night. Um, and what, whilst I think of it, two, two more things about ghosts. Um, one is, um, well, on my first marital home, uh, St Martin's Church Street, um, they, I mean... Uh, my wife is can be a little bit um, fanciful in her anecdotes, but um, she there were several sightings of a figure walking across our living room, um, and I don't think she was the only one that actually saw it. I think I might have called a ghost myself, not to describe it or think it was a ghost or whatever, but uh, th uh, there was a few other sightings of uh, a figure walking across our living room. So uh, that, that was probably the nearest we've come in in well I say recent years we're talking about 20 years ago but um and the other thing is um are we ha there's a place in town which is now a block of flats which was uh used to be the hospital the the the, the main city infirmary um it's still got the out it's outside but um it was a real old-fashioned hospital and um we the my mother and my late mother-in-law was a nurse there and um, every, uh, several people have seen a ghost they call the Grey Lady. Um, and uh, she apparently, I think, was a, a, a mother who's... Um, either a mother whose child had died and she was looking for her, or a nurse who was looking after that child. I, I can't remember which way, way round it is. But several people have spotted the Grey Lady over the years. And I think they got in a 
priest to try and exercise her, but she's come, according to the local ghost hunters, she's actually come back. Um, and of course, it's not an infirmary now, it's a hospital. But I, I would have, having gone into hospital admin in my 30s, I would have liked to have gone in my 20s whilst the infirmary was still there and, and sort of worked in this place, which was a little bit more old-fashioned and potentially haunted. But uh, yeah, the Grey Lady is quite a famous one. There's also a where Debenhams was in the centre of town, there was a, a person that was executed, I think, uh, who's supposedly they, people have seen the ghost of that person uh, upstairs in what was Debenhams. Um, but uh, that, that's another one. So uh, Salisbury's got its, it got, got its um, fair share of ghosties. I bet. Well, I think um, we're, we're nearly running out of time. Um, I've got a couple of questions for both Toppy and Nick after we run the theme music, so we we, we may have a little bit more to say. But uh, anyway, um, I just want to say thank, thank you very much, Nick, and thank you very much, Toppy, for hey. being here. And uh, um, always, always, always good to uh, always good to talk about these spooky things. Oh, but, yes. um, I mean, I mean, because I, before, before I just suddenly remembered our friend Elaine. She she has. A few, quite a few experiences of uh, having seen, but certainly back when we first knew her. Um, but I think I think um, we, we've discussed this um, uh, on the show before. So uh, I have at least two friends who, two very close friends who um, claim to be sort of mediumistic, not be able to contact ghosts, but be able to be aware of them, um, and. I, I, it was it's odd because I um, one of them a very very old school friend of mine and I've walked through a churchyard in the dark with her before and she sort of if I, if someone's put on a light or if I put on a light um, she said to me that they don't like the light on them um, so it, it, you know she's and she's perfect they're both tough cookies you know they're, they're nobody's fool they've grown up in very tough uh, and they've, they've brought up several kids and you know they're 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 not fanciful people and um we went into the haunch of venison which was the 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 most i suppose the most haunted public there's where there's a local um historian called frog moody that has written books and writes articles and he does ghost tours and um and he and his wife come along and they were they came into the pub whilst we were there and um and she, she, Sally turned to me and said, "She, well, they, they like her, but they're not quite sure what to make of him." So I, I never quite know where these claims come from. But um, I, I never laugh, I never make fun, and I never scoff. And I, I just go with the flow. And um, I, I find it interesting that uh, where these things come from. Ghost tours can be great fun. I've, I've been to one in Dublin. I, I've been to quite a few in York because I went. I, I, I think York's quite. I think there's rival ghost tours in in York, in York uh, and I went for a stage of going there quite a lot. And they're real, they're real like street theatre, and, and and they even have some because so, York's full of these little stickaways mm-hmm. between streets, and, and and they they even set it up where somebody jumps out at you, in, um, and 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 it gives you. A, it, you know, they're telling the stories, and then you get. A jump scare that that kind of makes you feel even more in the mood, and I was always, I was always interested because there was like, there's ghost stories in York of of um, like soldiers being seen um, 
but they only seem to be ghost for the, from from the from the knees upwards. And the reason behind this, I, I believe, was because the the streets were much lower, like five hundred years ago, or whatever. So um, that that it might explain why you're not seeing the full ghosts because the the, the streets are. I mean, not that I, I saw them, but the stories of their the sightings um, are, are, are sort of slightly um, skewed because because of the geography of the town has changed since. Um, uh, it, whether it be true or not, it's a nice little um, detail that kind of makes you think. But uh, anyway, um, right, we should say goodbye. We, we, as I said, I do have a couple of questions finish with but uh anyway, thank you very much toppy thanks very much nick thank and you. uh i'm sure we'll um be back again soon all right great to be back yeah yes bye-bye for now oh. first one would be if you were going to watch something that you if you felt I need a scary a bit of TV or a scary film what would your go-to be what would you what would you pick from the shelves if we were going to sit down and watch something now for me I'd want something new that I that that I'd have hopes you know would give me the chills Um, but I I can tell you one that it's kind of a go-to because it does feel genuinely scary mm. to me more so than a lot of things and just seems to have kept its scariness in my mind and that's um, a TV movie it was a miniseries actually they made of Salem's Lot oh, yeah. with David Soule mm. and James Mason well whatever it is I the, the nice little chills and scariness about that has stayed with me and I still that would be an example of a go-to for me yeah, yeah I, like, I like that I like um, I, 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 one of the films that I kind of it's not so much sp- spooky it's more of the sort of I suppose the slasher variety uh, I always watch Black Christmas from 1974 around Christmas time because uh, it's got into a real habit over the last 10-15 years of, of watching um, uh, there's been quite a few remakes since the original but the original is by far the best and, um, is that the one with Margot Kidder? Kidder yeah she's absolutely amazing in that film um, <laughs> that's a scene where she's at the party and she's feeding especially looking after the kids and she's feeding one like brandy or something <laughs> she's, t- she's talking to somebody else and she's kind of like, oh, here I have this. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it, 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 it's kind of, yeah, it's also kind of a weird film because the ending is kind of a little bit ambiguous and, well, quite a lot ambiguous and you don't, don't, 
Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice it's a nice chilly, scary scary in a in a non supernatural way. Um, yeah, well, I I can also say my last cinematic scary experience was absolutely Aliens, mm-hmm. um, where I I was genuinely you know transfixed with with quite a bit of fear, and that's the uh, that's pretty rare for me to be drawn in and be on the edge of your seat like that. And that's the last cinematic experience I can remember. And what about you, Nick? Um, I think a, a little bits and bobs, really. Um, film-wise, um, Crucible of Terror, I think, is a nice... Um, my kind of low-budget um, 70s chiller. Um, it's got some nice, creepy moments. TV-wise, um, Sapphire and Steel stories two and four, very creepy. Um, if I was really going for some some all-out chills, um, Doctor Who-wise, um, quite a number of Hinchcliffe episodes, Planet of Evil, which scared the out of me um, when I was a kid, um, and Android Invasion. Funnily enough, I always found that creepy, um, but. Also, part one of Earthshock, which the Pete oh, yeah. story, uh, which is very dark and and, and helped by the music, and yeah. um, part one of Terminus, which is also one a favourite of mine. That's, that's why I often say that Doctor Who is what got me into horror. I mean, a lot of horror people I hear on podcasts talking about about liking horror. They got into horror because they their bigger brother or whatever had a video and they watched it all yes. day with, whereas um, I think there's there was enough in Doctor Who and I love the, love the cliffhangers uh, yeah. there's enough to get to, to get me interested in scary moments that Doctor Who is definitely my my, my um, training ground for horror films a friend of ours who well for, for, I've known him for about 43 years he was my writing partner for many years uh, Joe Bunsell he's a big horror fan and he's um, he what what Paul was just saying about the the Big Brother getting into it. His his Big Brother was certainly um, the one who got him into. In the eighties, there was these um, double bill horrors on BBC Two, and um, which he his brother would tape, and then they watch on a usually on a very sun, sunny Sunday afternoon uh, with the curtains drawn, and and um, he got very much into horror through that. The, yeah. um, I mean, uh, Seeds of Doom with the, yes. with the, the which is basically Toppy a, a remake of the, the thing from Another World or the thing, except that it okay. goes beyond that because it starts off for two episodes set uh, uh, in the tundra, uh, but then, um, then after two episodes, it was sort of resolves itself, except for that one of the seed pods has been taken back to Brit to Britain, and then the next four parts is. Is them trying to to stop that pod um, hatching and causing the same sort of one well, more havoc than it would have done? That's another one that scared me as a yeah. kid. I and, I, I, and I didn't even what? see it at the time. It, 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 I, I I was just fascinated when I did finally see it. <laughs> and uh, another one, image of the Fendal, yes, is also that's very nice. that's, nice that's very hammer hammery, and you can, there's nothing about that that's. Sometimes Doctor Who gets accused of being childish, but you could watch you watch that, and you'd never. You'd never it's a super story. Yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, I've got another question for you, but I can hear the theme music coming, so uh, we'll be back in the room.
It's been good, but yeah, definitely time to come home now. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com. Oh dear, <laughs> what's going on now? Oh, it's the Shy Life Podcast. Let's go. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net. So, um, yes, my other question is, is there any sort of scary film or TV show or or something that you think is very overrated that people always go on about and you think it's not scary? It's, or it doesn't even have to be a specific thing. It could be a genre that you think, oh, it's, it's, it's overrated. It's not doesn't do the job. I think for, my, for, for me, it's more those sort of films that have been out in the last... The, the ghosty films, the C, low budget CGI um, sort of ghosty films that sometimes they're um, done like like um, Blair Witch was done in in that they're handheld sort of, but um, and, and and they really you know or or, or they really don't. You know, there's so many of them and uh, they 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 fill up Netflix and okay. you think I want something actually. I want, I want, why don't they put more old horror films on here? I don't, I don't want to watch um, Supernatural Phenomenon 12 or something. But, uh, uh, Nick, Toppy, uh, what about you? Um, do you want to go first, Toppy? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, X-Files, for me. I, I never liked X-Files. I couldn't get on with the leads. I couldn't get on with the stories. I just found it a turgid, sort of, just messy uh, when it was... You know, they'd be looking at some horribly mutilated body, and I just, I just thought it chunted along. I, 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 did, I never really got on with it. Um, I, I think I had more problems with the, the, um, the, the, the style. You'd have, you'd have a very serious episode, um, and maybe this was more as the show went on. You'd suddenly have, and then the next episode, they try and play one for laughs, and, and, and it sometimes would be very difficult to. To get your head from what they were doing last week to what they're doing this week, and I know it's nice to have a variety, but it was generally, I mean, and they do that, they've done that in Doctor Who where they've had, but Doctor Who is always a little bit more lighter of touch, whereas X Files could get very dark, and then next week you've got a very silly episode. It, that was too much of a jump for me, but, uh, um, but, um, uh. Uh, one example I can think of is you don't hear much about it anymore but there was a while three or four years ago where American Horror Story was all the rage Mm. and uh, I was pretty late to the party and uh, when I finally did see it I I, you know uh, nonplussed about it I just okay Everybody loved the hell out of this, and I'm just not getting into it. What? I don't know. So American Horror Story would be a good example for me. We're like, it's, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's funny. You said I was actually going to, to to mention American Horror Story. Had you had you not? So I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, to, for me, it's very hit and miss, and there's some seasons the 
that have been I really liked, and then some. In fact, the first season, I almost I bought a box set when it was new. New, I think I had a box set with the first two seasons, and I just liked the first season so much. So did a friend who was watching with me. That I bet I was almost like I don't think I would even want to bother watching the second season. But there have been some seasons I've liked. There's also been some seasons where they seem to have a ten episode, you know, uh, time slot. And yet the plot runs out after six episodes and they're, they're stretching out the story to try and fill. Um, what they seem to have done with the most recent series is rather than do that, they actually did a six-parter and a four-parter underneath under their ten episode, which was a lot better because there was then, then you didn't have all the filler um, and you just got on with a new story, uh, um, which, which uh, was preferable to having to watch... Um, so, you know, and I think a few times they probably they even abandoned they may have even gone no we can't we can't get 10 episodes out of this because there's one or two seasons that were only 9 episodes which is a very odd number you, you can imagine they probably went no we can't get to we can't get to 10 we have to finish it at 9 but uh, so to me like you say very um, there are one or two seasons I really like but mostly I'm quite nonplussed by it as well I uh, don't quite understand the I... appeal I have thought of something contemporary that that was it was effective for me, and it, it was the haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, mm. And for whatever reason, that uh, that got me. The, I, I just sometimes I just sometimes think that they they allow themselves too many episodes and and too much too much room to sort of. Or, or there's also this thing where, where there's one or two. Um, there's this series the BBC have done on and off, quite a lot of it off. Um, but in the 70s, it was almost every year they did Ghost Story for Christmas, and it was um, they're often based on M.R. James stories. And the 70s versions are very like the half an hour, they're very because they're, they're, they're very effectively done, they haven't got a lot big budget for special effects, it's just like a, a glimpse of something or a hand or whatever. Um, but they tried to remake some of them. Um, and one of them was made in black and white, so that might have been why they thought, oh, we, we, we should do a colour version. And it had John Hurt in it, so, you know, great. You've got a great cast. But whoever it was, the writer thought that they needed to add some element of their own, which wasn't in the story. Yeah. Something to do with an old people's home. It, was, it wasn't in the original story. And, it, and it, it ruined it, and it dragged it out, and it tried and made it more sort of um, uh, like soppy and... Um, and, and there's been a few more recent ones where they they've um, tried to add things, and I don't always know the stories well enough. But Toby, last year they did one, and Toby was like, "Well, they've added this character, they changed that, the ending's this. The, that's not how it, that, this isn't an adaption of the. This is some you know based on a story you could say, and but you know some some contemporary writers take taking it." A story and thinking that they're they have the right to somehow make it a bit their own and you know you know mr james love uh you know how how why do you think you've got the 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 uh, no, this writers write stories they're structured mm. and you start picking bits out yeah. they start to collapse i prefer the more subtle horror um stories or ghost stories like uh, M.R. James, Ghost Stories for Christmas, um, and the Stone Tape, 
but also you were talking about fake go go to scary ones. Um, children's series in the seventies had a, had a, a cracking amount of good scary moments. Uh, there's one called Children of the Stones, which is set by a stone circle, and um, it, the music alone still chills me to the bone, even forty five years on. Um, so that's a good one, and also. Um, there's a series, an anthology series called Shadows, um, and that's got some cracking, cracking episodes in it as well. Um, some of them are just mysterious, some of them are creepy, some of them I remember a lot of them from when they first went out. So yeah, that's, that'd be another example of the good ones. I know we've moved on to bad, bad ones. But... You know, sometimes I just really wonder about the show. I really do. Yeah. Oh, kitty, 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 kitty. Oh, I love Dee Man, was that worth it or not? Oh, my goodness. That was a darling little shoe. 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 584 